Hello and welcome to the New City Church podcast. I'm Benjamin Komanapali Jr., pastor of New City Church Hyderabad. This is where you will hear messages preached at our church. It's my prayer that the incorruptible seed of God's Word will strengthen you, build you, and help you receive the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Enjoy the Word and be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel chapter 11. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 11 and starting from verse 32, the second part of that verse. And the Bible says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Hallelujah. The first part, the, the first part of the second part of that verse simply says, the people that know their God. Everyone say, knowing God. Okay, so the people that know their God, and we said that the promise uh, uh, for us this year is that this year, 2024, is the year of knowing God. Not just knowing about God, not, not just knowing about God through somebody else, but every single person personally will know their God. Hallelujah. And the Bible says as a result of knowing God, there will be an outward manifestation. Why? Because in this verse it says, the people that know their God shall be strong and carry out. All right? And they shall carry out great exploits. So when, when you see somebody carrying out great exploits, you know that they are strong. You know that they have something that other people do not have. When you see an athlete, for example, maybe in the Olympics or some other, uh, uh, you know, championship or tournament and things like that, one of the reasons why we marvel and we congratulate and we look up to these people is because they have a certain ability or they, they became strong in certain ways that the average human being is not capable of doing. Are you understanding that? So whether it is through training, their diet, their going to the gym, whatever it is, and, and every single day uh, uh, practicing over and over and over and over again, see, it's, you know, many people in this place will be able to say, yes, I can run, but we can't run like the Olympians, all right? We, we can say uh, uh, we can jump, but we can't jump like the Olympians. So many people will say uh, we can play cricket, but we can't play cricket at the level that the champions play, right? So that's the difference. And so here, the, the, the Bible says, when you know your God, that there will be something supernatural that will take place in your life, but the evidence will be evident to all people. Hallelujah. So they that know their God shall be strong, and they will carry out great exploits. Now, we said from last week, let me do a quick recap. When we talk about the word know, especially when we look at it from the Hebrew perspective, the word know is talking about knowing somebody through knowledge, relationship, and experience. All right? Three things. Knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. Everyone say relationship and experience. So these three aspects must be covered and must be understood in our uh, journey of knowing God more intimately or in growing in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And this is something that is vital for every single one of us. Now, when it comes to knowledge or knowing God through knowledge, we said that's going to happen through the Word of God. Everyone say the Word. When it comes to our relationship, we grow in our relationship with our Father through prayer. Everyone say prayer. And then thirdly, when it comes to the, our experiences, it's going to happen by the help of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say the Holy Spirit. 
And we also, uh, we also said that there were enemies to uh, 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 knowing God as well. Just like uh, there, there is the promise of God to knowing God, or the, there is a promise of, uh, of his children walking into the promised land, not everything is just going to fall into our lap. There are going to be certain things that will become enemies of our progress, enemies of obtaining the promises of God in our lives. So even when it comes to knowing God, there can be many other enemies as well, but especially three things that we talked about. Number one is tradition. The, the, the issue with tradition is that many of us, we can be deceived into our traditions. That means we, we will uh, have this idea and we will have this notion that we are right and we're doing the right thing, but because of tradition, we make the word of God of no effect in our lives. So the Bible will say, or the promise of God is, this is the year of knowing me. And, and we say, we begin to walk through that process. And as we begin to get into the word, if you only live your life based on tradition, what happens is you will open the word and wherever the word of God will begin to pierce you, Wherever the word of God will begin to correct you, wherever the wisdom of God will begin to come into your life and say, you were doing certain things a certain way, but now from this day forward, you must do things differently. If you are only traditionally thinking and traditionally living all the time, then what's going to happen is you will have the opportunity to know God in that, in that situation, but then you will refuse to know God. You will not step into the, the level of knowing God that he desires for you. Why? Because of vain tradition, the Bible says, you've made the word of God of no effect in your life. Are you understanding that? So number one, we must make sure in the process of knowing God that we cannot let tradition rob us from the places that God has for our lives and for our destiny. The second thing is pride. The second thing is pride. Pride is a dreadful. It is a terrible uh, uh, thing to have in our lives. Why? And it becomes an enemy of knowing God. Why? Because anytime, once again, any correction comes in, any instruction comes in, any wisdom comes in, you can, you can have this standpoint that says, I already know everything. You can't teach me something new. I already know how to know God. I already have a relationship with him. And you think you know everything. And because of that, because of pride, you will not be able to grow in the things of God. A simple example is we've seen when Jesus was walking on the earth and Jesus was ministering, Jesus was doing great and mighty things. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people that were supposed to be uh, the closest to God, the people that were supposed to know God more intimately than others, they lost the opportunity of knowing him. Why? Because of their pride. They would come, they would attend the meetings of Jesus and yet not listen to him. They would only listen to, to find fault, not to learn, but to find fault. They would only listen not to grow and learn about the Father. Jesus said that he came to reveal the Father, but they were not trying to understand God. They were not trying to understand the Father. They were only interested in pointing the finger at Jesus, only interested in condemning him, only interested in, in, in creating traps so that they could catch him in, in making some kind of error. And their pride became their downfall. They, they spent years studying the word, and when the word was in front of them, pride robbed them from knowing God. All right? So let that not be the case in our lives. Amen? And thirdly, we said selfishness. Selfishness is another aspect. Selfishness becomes an enemy of knowing God. Why? Because I said, you know, when it comes to knowing God, if you want to, I would 
venture out to say most majority of the people that are here and that are joining us online and that will see this later, majority of them will already have some sort of relationship with God, right? They won't be, the, the, the minority will be atheists and people who are really far away from God, who have no concept about God or who absolutely are against the idea of God. Majority of the people will have some concept of God and they will have some sort of relationship with God. But however, if we say this is the year of knowing God, what we're saying is we're going to know him more deeply and intimately than we've done so before. Amen? But if you are selfish, what's going to happen is you, selfishness will stop you from doing things at a higher level or a higher degree this year. See, if you, uh, many of you know this quote, if you keep doing the same things over and over again, you'll keep getting the same results over and over again. If you want new results in your life, you've got to do something new, right? If, if you're tired of the fact that every single year in your farm, only apples are being produced, then the next year you cannot uh, 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 sow apple seed. Why? If you keep sowing apple seeds, what kind of fruit are you going to get? You're going to get an apple. So you can say, this is the year of oranges. This is the year of oranges. This is the year of oranges. And then you keep sowing apples, apple seed. What are you going to get? Same thing. So you can say, this is the year I'm going to know God. But you make absolutely no changes in your schedule. You make absolutely no changes in your priorities. You make absolutely no changes in the way you make decisions regarding God and regarding the, the things that God is dealing with in your life. Guess what? Nothing's going to change just because the calendar date has changed. It's going to change when you understand, okay, this is divinely appointed by God for me to know him more intimately than ever before. Hallelujah. See, last year we said that the promise of the Lord for us, for us especially was that it was a year of signs and wonders. It's not that signs and wonders not, were not available the previous year. And it's not that signs and wonders are not available for us this year. But we had, when the word of the Lord comes, when we say, Lord, I understand, be it unto me according to that word. And what happens? We begin to know about that word more intimately. We begin to build our faith. We begin to hear the word about signs and wonders. And what, what was the result? We walked into signs and wonders. Amen? See, even coming into Sandhya Convention for us, from SN Gardens, and for those of you who are new, SN Gardens did not look like what it looks like now. Last year, it was pretty much a dump, as one person described it. Right? It was a dump. We were sweating when it was hot. We, I mean, it was uncomfortable. And it was like, you know, uh, uh, yesterday we were talking to the team, and our team got used to setting sound in, 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 in a shed that now they're having problems setting the sound in a very comfortable environment. Right? Because before, the, the, the sound used to bounce off of tin sheets and everything else. Now, we have soundproofing, and now we're trying to have to learn how to adjust the sound with the soundproofing in place. So, you know, so when, when we said, when I stood on, on um, uh, December 31st or early morning, January 1st, 2023, and I said, church, this is the year of signs and wonders for us, I had no idea, neither was I expecting that we will walk into Sandhya Convention a month from that, that point. But once we walked in, we never left Sandhya Convention since then. Hallelujah. So what happened? Once that 
faith began to develop. As I began to preach signs and wonders, signs and wonders, signs and wonders, signs and wonders, every single Sunday, I would come, as we always do. We go through it. We, we try to extract the word. We try to get everything that we can for that time and for that season regarding that promise. And as, we, as a result of that, people began to hear. People began to hear. People began to hear. People began to hear. And as a result, people who were not married got married last year. People who never had a vehicle in their life began to have vehicles. People who never had a car began to have a car. People who never had one car began to have two cars. People who never had a house began to have buy houses. People who never blessed other people began to bless people. People who never gave uh, generously began to give generously. How did all of these things happen? By the hearing of the word and then making changes in their life. Hallelujah. So even this year, when we say that this is the year of knowing God, you're not going to know God at a higher, in a higher degree or a higher realm if you do not make certain necessary changes. If you remain selfish and say, this is my time, this is my priority, this is my money, this is my career, this is my life, this is my business, then guess what? All of those things will remain in your life. And nothing will really change in your life. Why? Because you keep saying, this is my time, this is my job, this is my business, and God has no place to come and meddle with your issues. And so he says, okay, it's yours, do it your way. And he takes his steps back and he just stays there as a spectator in your life. But I don't want God to be a spectator in my life. I want God to meddle with me in every single area of my life. Hallelujah. I want to be an open book for him. I want, me, I want to be an open closet for him. He can rearrange any shelf he wants to in my life. My time is his. My family is his. My money is his. This ministry is his. This church is his. Everything in my life is his. I dedicate it to him. My children are his. Hallelujah. Everything in my life, my cars, my house, wherever I live, Whatever I possess, my family, everything belongs to him. Not because he demands it. He's given those things to me. But I, in return, say, I recognize that you are my savior. I recognize that you are the source. So here, I willingly dedicate it all back to you. Do as you please. Be glorified. That's how I want to know you, God. Be glorified in my life. Amen? So you cannot let selfishness rob you. You cannot uh, continue to uh, uh, um, uh, handle your time and your priorities in the same way and expect God to know, uh, sorry, expect to know God at a higher degree or a higher realm. See, one of the things that you will see, both in the Old and in the New Testament, every person that knew God at a higher degree than those that are around him lived a different kind of lifestyle than those around them. Around them. While the children of Israel were just enjoying and doing whatever they wanted to do, Moses separated himself, went on to the top of the mountain. And Moses knew God in a different way than the rest of the nation. Now, God's desire was, I want to be known by everyone in the same way. But not everyone knew him the same way. Why? Because Moses did something that other people were not willing to do. Hallelujah. And I'm praying that I'm talking to people this morning who are willing to do whatever it takes to know God at a higher degree. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. And then we said there are three main ways of knowing God. Number one, through his word. Number two, 
through prayer, and number three, through the Holy Spirit. And so today what I want to do is, in the time that we have, I want us to start talking about knowing God through His Word, or knowing God through the Word, either way. Knowing God through His Word, or knowing God through the Word. That's going to be the primary way in which we're going to know God. That's going to be the foundation by which we're going to know God. That's going to be uh, uh, the, the map for us in knowing God. Many of you know the scripture, John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In verse 1 it says, The Word was God. The Word is the primary way in which we know God. The way you know God in the realm of the Spirit is through the Word of God. John chapter 6 and verse 63. It says, it is the spirit who gives life, not your body, not the physical heart in your body. None of those things give life. The Bible says it is the spirit. Everyone say spirit. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, the, the, I want you to, yeah, take a look at, on the screen. It says, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing, all right? The spirit who gives life. And then he says, the words that I speak unto you are spirit. The words that I speak unto you are spirit. So he says, the spirit gives life. But what is the spirit? The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. In other words, it's the word that gives life. Are you understanding that? It's the word that gives life. It is the word that, that, that electrifies you. It is the word that pumps fresh life into you. So here it says, and then he says, the flesh profits how much? The flesh profits absolutely nothing. The flesh profits absolutely nothing. In other words, what you have to understand is, in this process of knowing God, in the journey of knowing God, you must give more value to the word than you give to the flesh. You must give more value to the things of the Spirit. In other words, you must give more value to the unseen than the seen. You're getting that? See, because you cannot see the Spirit realm with these physical eyes. You, you see them not with natural eyes, but spiritual eyes. So the Bible says the flesh, which is your natural eyes, all your five physical senses, the Bible says that the flesh profits Nothing. So in your relationship with God, please understand this, you cannot base your relationship with God based on your flesh. See, this is the reason why even when we take part in the communion, a lot of people struggle in their relationship with God is because they're basing their relationship with God based on their flesh. This is the reason why many Christians do not take communion many times. You know why? Because they are basing their relationship with God on their flesh. They say, this week, I was a bad boy. This week, I was a bad man. This week, I was a bad girl. I was a bad woman. I did things that I was not supposed to do. The things that I'm supposed to do, I did not do. So therefore, I can't take part in the communion. What are you doing? You're trying to relate to God not based on the word, not based on the things of the spirit. You are trying to relate to God based on the, come on loudly, on the flesh. And the, pre, and the flesh profits how much? Nothing. Nothing. So what's going to happen? 
Your entire relationship with God is being founded on a source that profits zero. This is why we keep struggling. Oh, I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to know God. And the entire time, the entire process, we're trying to know God through the flesh. Oh, I feel good today, so I must be close to God. Oh, I feel condemnation, so I must be far away from God. I feel depressed, so I think God doesn't love me. I feel like God is not talking to me. So what's happening? We're basing our relationship on the flesh. And the Bible says the flesh, flesh profits nothing. But it is the word that gives life. The word that gives life. So why do we take part in the communion every time? And why do we encourage people to take part in the communion? Because Jesus did not die for the holy. Jesus did not make the sacrifice for the righteous. He made the sacrifice. He became the sacrifice for the unholy and unrighteous. If you think that you can become holy and righteous by your own strength and abilities, you don't even have to take part in the communion ever in your life. Because you're your own savior. His body was broken for our healing, not his healing. His body was broken for us. Not for healthy people, for those who were sick. His blood was shed, not for righteous people. His blood was not shed for himself. His blood was not shed for his sin. His blood was shed for my sin. Everyone say my sin. His blood was shed for you and for me. His blood was shed not because we were righteous. His blood was shed for the unrighteous and we were the unrighteous. And so when we come to God, we say, okay, I realize I messed up. God, I didn't do what I'm supposed to do. I repent. I'm asking for forgiveness. And I thank you, Lord, that in your word, you've granted me forgiveness by your grace. So I receive your forgiveness afresh this morning. And Lord, I come before you humbly. I thank you for your body that was broken, your blood that was shed for somebody like me, a person who just messed up this week. But I'm going to take part in the communion by faith because I don't trust my flesh. I trust your word. And your word says, Father, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, my relationship with you is not based on my flesh. My relationship with you is based on the truth of your word. Put your hands together for the glory of Jesus. For the glory of God. My relationship with you is founded on the truth of this word. Not based on what I can do. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. So when you feel like you had an excellent week where you didn't do anything wrong, Praise God for the grace to overcome every sin, overcome every temptation that week, overcome and do the right thing every single time, make the right decisions every time. Come into his presence and say, God, I thank you for a victorious week and I take part in the communion. I receive fresh grace this week to go back into the world and live a victorious life. But just in case you messed up, come into the presence of God with thanksgiving that you can still come into the presence of God. You can still come into the presence of God. 
you can still come into the presence of God. Now, this is by no means, no shape or form an excuse to live a sinful life. No, not whatsoever. Anyone with two brain cells should know that by now. This is not in any way, shape or form an encouragement for people to live in sin. But it is absolutely the truth of the word of God that we are not saved by our works. We are not saved by our goodness. We're saved by the grace of God. We have an entrance into the presence of God by his grace, by his love, by his blood, by his sacrifice. And therefore, we do not relate to him based on our works. We relate to him based on his word. Hallelujah. And that gives us life. And that's how we know God. That's how we know God. So fundamentally and foundationally, we must understand we know God through the truth of his word. Through his word, we know God. Hallelujah. John chapter 4 and verse 24 says this, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. That means even when it comes to not just relating, even when it comes to worship, our worship is not based on a melody. Our worship is not based on the ability to play good music. Our worship is not based on guitar riffs and nice drumming. Our worship is not based on how it makes us feel. He says those who worship him must worship him in spirit. Where do you get spirit and truth? From the word. Your worship comes out of a revelation of who he is. Through the word. Through the word. Now, good music is very good. I appreciate good music. I appreciate when people can play good, uh, 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 you know, uh, any instrument well, and when the melody is good, and when the singing is wonderful. Thank God for great vocalists. Thank God for great musicians. Thank God for good sound. Thank God for, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of technology that we have today to amplify the sound, to make it sound really good, and all of that. But understand this, true worship is not based on how it makes us feel. True worship comes out of the revelation of who he is from the word of God. That's why we worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the source. The word is the source. The word is the source. Hallelujah. So if your relationship with God is only based on this song makes me feel good, that's why I listen to this song every time, every time, every time, you're not based on a strong foundation. Because very soon, that song will feel old. At some point, that song will feel old. See, uh, it, let me not give you any examples at this point. All right, let's just move on. Okay, John chapter 17. So if you're taking notes, write this down. We know God, understand, and approach God based on the word. We know, understand, and approach. We know, understand, and approach God based on the word. John chapter 17 and verse 3. He says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. That they may know you. That, they, that every one of us will know the Father. All right? Now, when it comes to, uh, there are certain aspects of God. Uh, I'll just give you two different aspects, and I won't dwell on this for too long because I have a lot to cover. But when it comes to knowing God, what is this God that we're talking about? Because in the book of Acts, for example, when Paul is traveling, he comes across this uh, inscription that says, to the unknown God. 
And they were worshipping, but they did not know the God that they were worshipping. And so they literally inscribed to the unknown God. So they knew there is someone out there that is God, and he must be worshipped. So they knew that, and they were worshipping, but they said, we're worshipping the unknown God. And so on a, on a very surface level, so to speak, one of the things that we understand is that God is beyond his creation. We understand, see, his creation is limited. However, God is infinite in nature, right? God is infinite. So when we're talking about this God, we must understand that God is infinite. In the book of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28, the Bible says, have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He's infinite in nature. That's the God that we're talking about. So when I say we're going to know God, I'm not talking about just another human being. I'm not just talking about somebody who's uh, uh, on our level or just a little above our level. We're talking about an infinite God who's truly beyond all comprehension. And yet by his grace, he gives us the grace to get to know him. So, for example, many of you might have heard uh, there are three qualities of God. For example, uh, that he's omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. Simply meaning he's present everywhere at the same time, which is not possible for you and for me. I mean, with all the technology, I know sometimes it can feel like we can be present in two places or three, you know, because of Zoom and because of other things, video calls and other things. But, but when, it, when we're talking about God, when we're saying that he's omnipresent, that means he's everywhere all at the same time. Hallelujah. That's, that's beyond human capacity and human understanding. Then secondly, we also know that he's omnipotent, which simply means that he's all-powerful. That his power is matchless. That his power is beyond human comprehension. And then thirdly, that he's omniscient, which me- simply means that he's all-knowing. That there is nothing that he does not know. There is nothing that he does not understand. He is all-knowing. But apart from these things, there are three particular things that I want every one of us to know and understand about God. Firstly, the three things that we must know about God. Firstly, we must know his character. His character. You could also say his nature and character. We must understand and know this. In the process of knowing God, you must know the nature and character of God. Because if you don't know the nature and character of somebody it's very uh, uh, possible to misunderstand that person, right? Only when you truly know the nature and the character of an individual, even if you hear something contrary to that, you will say, no, 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 I know so-and-so. He is not like that. She is not like that. Have you ever had those kinds of situations, right? uh, Even in the church, sometimes I'll hear some report about somebody and I'll say, are you sure it was him? Are you sure it was her? I don't think so. Double check and get back to me. Why? Because I know, I, I, I have a sense, I, I think I know that person. I don't, he, I don't think he's going to do that. You know, I don't think that's the, uh, she, you know, she's not that kind of girl. I know her. What am I saying? I, I, I think I have a sense of his nature. I think I have a sense of his character. I think I have a sense of her character and her nature. And that's what we're talking about. Even when it comes to the things of God, through his word, we must know his nature and character. Why? Because if we firstly and fundamentally and primarily, if we don't know his nature and character first, then anytime you hear anything about him, you will have the tendency to simply believe. Is that understood? So, for example, somebody might stand and say, you know, uh, sometimes God gives and sometimes he takes. 
And, oh yes, that is true, that is true. Sometimes God gives, sometimes he takes away. Then you have to ask the question, wait, why would God take away? Is that his nature? Is that his character? Let me think about that. When did Jesus take away anything from people? When was the last time he healed somebody and then three days later he said, oh, I see you are misusing your time, I take away the healing. Oh, I see that you did not give in the offering, I take away the healing. Oh, I saw that you did not attend uh, 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 the time of prayer, I take away the healing. When, when, when do we see that? Oh, you know what, I delivered you from those demons, but I saw what you did last night. So here come multiplied demons into your life. When, when, when do we see that? We don't. But that's a common saying in the Christian circles. Sometimes God gives, sometimes God takes away. And why do we say that? Again, sometimes when you don't understand the nature and character of God, we take a scripture like Job, for example, he says, he gives and takes away. Now, is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. But is that the truth about the nature and character of God? No, it's not. But pastor, it said that in the Bible. See, okay, listen very carefully. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen very carefully. Do not listen to what I am not saying. Listen to what I am about to say. Are you understanding that? All right. Everything in the Bible is truly stated, but everything in the Bible is not the truth. I'll say it again. This is the truth of the word of the living God. 100%. No addition, no subtraction. However, everything in the Bible is not the truth. Everything in the Bible is truly stated. Listen to what I said, not to what I did not say. Everything in the Bible is truly stated. So, what do I mean? Job said, in the midst of his turmoil, he says, God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, it is truly stated. That's what Job thought. That's what Job said. That's what he said about God in the midst of that trial. But that does not mean that the nature and the character of God is that sometimes he gives and sometimes he takes away. What he was saying is, what, no matter what happens, in his case he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter what happens in my life, blessed be the name of the Lord. But that's not the nature and the character of God. God is not the taker. God is the blesser. From the very beginning. See, God did not take anything from Adam and Eve. Even after they sinned, it was his mercy and grace that removed them out of the garden. He's not the taker. He's not the dammer. He's not the condemner. God is a God that gives. 
Are you understanding that? See, for example, the disciples said to Jesus, don't you care that we perish? That was out of their frustration they said it, and it was truly stated what they said. But there was not an ounce in Jesus that where he did not care for them. Are you understanding that? So when you see the nature and the character of God over and 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 over in Scripture, you will see that he's gracious, that he's merciful, he's loving, he's compassionate, and he's kind. So he continues to bless and he continues to give. So what you must understand is, if you do not understand the nature and the character of God, then whatever is said, you will simply have the tendency to believe and say amen to anything that is said. Why? Because you do not understand the nature and character of the one that you are serving. Are you understanding that? All right, let, let's take a look at this. In the book of Exodus chapter 33, Exodus chapter 33, here he says, and he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will make my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Isaiah chapter 40, please. And verse 29. Let me go through a couple of scriptures quickly. And he says in verse 29, he gives power to the weak and those who have no might, he increases strength. Now that's his nature. That's his character. We see that throughout the scripture, that he gives power to the weak. And at the same time, to those who have no might, he increases strength. He increases strength. See, now, you, the Bible says he gives power to the weak. But that does not mean he takes power from the strong. Now, you can say, but pastor, I saw uh, he brought down kings in the Old Testament and he brought down people in the New Testament. And all. Listen, that's only when the weak are being attacked. See, I have the potential to kill somebody today. Potential, that's all. Don't worry. <laughs> Meaning what? My, my nature is not that I'm a murderer or a killer. But if my family and I are traveling today, and if somebody puts my wife and children's life at risk, that person better be careful. The pastor has the capacity to kill. But that's not my nature and character. You're understanding that? I, I don't sit around saying, okay, who should I, who should I, who should I this morning? Never thought about that ever in my life. Ever. But if that time shows up where my children's life is at risk because of what another person is doing, I'm not even going to waste two seconds in doing what I'm supposed to do as a father. You understand that? I, if my wife is being attacked by someone, I'm not going to waste two seconds contemplating or thinking what I'm supposed to do. It's my immediate reaction to be violent with the person that's being violent with my wife. You got that? That does not mean, oh, pastor, you, you know his nature, right? You know he goes around killing people. No. No. My nature and character is to protect my people. 
The response to carry out the God-given responsibility. I am married to my wife. She becomes my responsibility. My kids are my responsibility. Are you understanding that? Same thing as a pastor. I've had very, 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 very few times. I think like in, in nearly seven years of pastoring, I think I've had two uh, uh, situations, two instances where I've had to tell people never to return to the church again. He said, never return to the church again. Why? Because as a pastor, I don't have the character of sending people away. But when I find a wolf in sheep's clothing, when I find that the wolf has entered and they are causing trouble for people and lives are being destroyed, sheep are being destroyed because of the wolf, I don't sit and say, I love you, wolf. I love you, wolf. I love you, wolf. I love you, wolf. No, it's my responsibility to care, take care of the wolf because of my responsibility for the sheep. Are you understanding that now? So it's not that I go around looking to kick people out of the church. No, I'm, I try to get as many people as possible to come into the church. But in those rare occasions where I have to do what? For the sake of my responsibility, for the sake of my people, for the sake of the ones that God has given me, I will have to take those steps. Is that making sense? So in the same way, when it comes to the things of God, here the Bible says, and he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young man shall utterly fall. Is God doing that? No. God's not doing that second part. But what he's saying is the way he will strengthen the, or give power to the weak and the way he will increase strength, it will be a supernatural work. It, they will be supernaturally blessed in such a way that even when the young people are failing, these people will not fail. Why? Because the hand of the Lord or the blessing of God is upon their lives. Amen. Come on, say amen. amen. Psalm 145 and verse 8. It says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. That's his nature. That's his character. That's who he is. When you look at the New Testament, when the Bible says that Jesus came full of grace and truth, that's his nature, that's his character. But at times, did you see him whip out the, uh, 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 the belt and, and, and uh, turn the tables around and, and, and start beating people up? Yes, you did. But is that his nature and character? Is the nature and character of Jesus that he's a violent man? No. But was there certain violence that was exhibited on that day? Yes, there was. But that's not his nature, nor his character. He did it because of the zeal for the house of the Lord. Not big out of his hatred for them. Are you understanding that? See, it's the same thing. So when I say I will be willing to beat someone up, not because I hate the person, but because I love my wife and my children. To protect, I will take care of certain things. But not with the intention of just harming an individual randomly. In the same way, Jesus did not come into that temple saying, you know what, today I'm going to show my wrath. Today I'm just going to decide I'm going to hate some people. And randomly he found them, so he just let it out on them. No, that's not the thing. His, his zeal for the house of the Lord, the Bible says the zeal for the house of the Lord consumed him. Consumed him. So when he comes to the house of the Lord and when he sees what's happening, that zeal produced that outburst. But that's not his nature, nor his character. All right. Now, for the lack of time, just write this down. Uh, Psalm 145 verses 8, 8 through 20. 
All those 12 verses will give you a glimpse about the nature and the character of the God that we serve. In the book of Psalm 103 and verses 1 through 5, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Then he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all, all his benefits. Look at this, verse 3 onwards. This is his nature. This is his character. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say praise be to God. That's the God that we, that, that, that we get to know this morning. That's the God that we get to build a relationship with. So when you know this nature, but, but pastor, well, like, how, how is that going to help me with my job? How is that going to help me with my relationship? How is that going to help me with my breakthrough? How is that going to help me with my career? See, when you begin to truly understand the nature and character of God, and when you're going through a valley in your life, when you're going through a dark period in your life, when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, what did, what did uh, uh, um, uh, uh, David say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I will fear no evil. See, why? He says, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What is he saying? When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not contemplating and wondering, why did God send me here? See, this is the problem. When, when we begin to say, I don't know why God is doing this in my life. I don't know why God is allowing this in my life. I don't know why God let me lose my job. I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yes, and you don't know. And you continue to remain in the cycle of I don't know. Why? Because we don't know the nature and the character of God. But when you know the nature and the character of God, you will say, he's come to give me life and life more abundantly. And so, yes, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yea, that I walk through the valley of unemployment, yea, when I walk through the valley of discouragement, yea, when I walk through the valley of nobody trusting me, yea, when I walk through the valley of uh, no relationships happening, yea, when I walk through the valley of uh, poverty, yea, when I walk through the valley of, uh, uh, you know, a, a bad report from the doctor, I shall not fear. Why? For you are with me. I know you. I know who you are. I know your goodness in my life. I know that even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God, I thank you that I'm able to walk through this valley. Thank you that I've got legs to walk. I'm not stuck in the valley. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley. That means what? He's moving forward. I'm not stuck. I'm not laying down in the valley of the shadow of death. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? For you are with me. And if you are with me, I don't have to wonder. I don't know if God brought me to kill me. See, you're not wondering when you know the nature, when you know the character.
See, if, if, if me and my wife ever have a, uh, w w not if, but like when we have any uh, discussions about our finances or something like that, and she says, hey, uh, or randomly, sometimes like we're in the middle of a meeting or something is happening or I'm talking to someone and she just say, uh, I'm just taking this money. I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, I don't know what she's going to do with this money. I don't think, you know, I hope she doesn't give to somebody. I don't think, I hope she doesn't do anything selfish with this. Like that's not even, I'm not even thinking that. I'm not even thinking that. Like that, 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 that thought does not even come across my mind. Why? I know her nature and character. So you want to take the bag? Take the bag. I don't even, like, don't even, you, you, we don't even have to have a discussion right now. Just take it. Just take it. We'll talk when we get home. Just take it. Why? Because I know her nature. I know her character. I don't have to have doubts. See, but when you don't know the nature and character, and this is where we get stuck, people say, I don't know why God brought me here. I don't know if God wants to kill me here. Why? Just because you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? You think God will brought you there to kill you? You understand my point? See, those kinds of words will not come out of your mouth when you know Him. When you know Him. So even when you lose your job, you... you Silly and foolish stuff will not come out of your mouth. Why? You know him. So one day, if, if there is money missing in my bag, for example, I, the, the thought never comes. Like, I wonder if my wife stole it. You know, I saw her wear a new sari the other day, I think. Like, that, that, that thought doesn't come across my mind. It doesn't come across my mind. Why? I know her. I know her. I know her. And my prayer is that we will know God like that. That you will know. No, no, not because pastor said, no, 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 no. You will know God. You will know God. You will know God. You will know God. For yourself. For yourself. So no matter what happens, he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even when I'm surrounded by death, I'll not fear evil. Now what, what is, like when we think about evil, death is like the, the, maybe the, the biggest thing that we can think of. And he says, even in that, he says, I'll fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Hallelujah. All right, let's quickly move on. Now, um, uh, the second thing that we need to know about God, first is his character. The second thing is his ways. Everyone say his ways. Hallelujah. Are you being blessed? Amen. All right, his ways. Um, Psalm 25 and verses 4 and 5, it says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation on you I wait all the day. Especially verse 4, underline that, circle that in your notes. And that's a great prayer for you to, uh, or an attitude for you to have. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And in the new covenant, we have such a, the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit, who was our teacher, our constant guide. In the new covenant, we have epignosis. The, the, we have the faculty to know God intimately. To have the knowledge of God present at the very new birth itself. Which means what? We are in a far better covenant than even David was. 
From the time you were born again, the Bible says, you have epignosis. You have the knowledge, the intimate workings and the knowledge of God on the inside of you. Just like the Bible says, you have the mind of Christ. It's in you. Now work it out. Now work it out. The more you meditate, the more you get to know him through the word, you begin to work it out in your life. Hallelujah. Knowing the ways of God is vital, is a vital part of knowing God. Knowing the ways of God is a vital part of knowing God. Uh, I, you know, for those who, I'm not going to spend too much time here, uh, but I actually preached on this before as well about the ways and, uh, uh, of God. So I, I would refer you to that message. Um, I think maybe one or two years ago I did that. So, but in uh, uh, the ways of God, I'll just give you three examples of the ways of God. Number one, the way of faith. Everyone say the way of faith. So anytime you're dealing with God, anytime you're communing with God, anytime you're saying, God, what must I do regarding this area of my life? What kind of decision do I need to make? You know, which direction do I need to take? One of the things you will always find is that when God begins to speak, when God begins to direct, when you are having this ongoing situation with God, the way of faith is always going to be involved. The way of faith is always going to be involved. So whenever you're dealing with God, when you know his ways, you will know whether you are hearing from God or if it's your own thing or if it's somebody else's uh, uh, influence upon your life. Why? Whenever you are dealing with God, it will always require, come on, it will always require, it will require faith. We see that throughout the scriptures, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, just uh, uh, note it down and then read this later. When it came to Naaman's leprosy, see, he came with every natural understanding. He came with gifts and he, came, he said, you know what, uh, you know, I'm already a, 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 a person with status. And so he came with that status. He came with all the entourage and he thought, okay, now I'm going to impress the prophet and I'm going to be healed. That's not what the prophet was looking for. That's not what God was looking for. What he was looking for was faith and obedience. And so the first time he hears the word of the Lord through the prophet, he rejects and he begins to walk away. And then the servant girl said, Master, why don't you just simply humble yourself and do, just believe what he said and just do it. And he does, and he's completely healed by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The second thing is the way of love. The way of love. The way of love. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And, and they divided his garments and cast lots. Now, on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That is the way of love. That's the way God does things. That's his nature. That's his character. That's his nature and that's his character. Hallelujah. And Romans 5.5 5 says uh, that, we, that, the, uh, that the same love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which means we have the capacity to walk in that kind of love even in our lives. Hallelujah. And thirdly, the way of submission. The way of submission. The way of submission. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Everyone say submissive. For they watch out for your souls, and as those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for they would be, that would be profitable, unprofitable, sorry, for you. So it's the way of submission. We see this throughout the scripture. We see it even in the Godhead. Jesus said, I did not come to do my own will, but I, the will of my 
father. He was submitted to the will of the father. Submitted to the will of the father. And yet he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the great I am. He's the soon and coming king. And he says all things are under his feet. And he's been given the name that is above every other name. And at that name, everything shall bow and confess that he is Lord. And yet, what does he do? He submits. He submits. That is the way of God. That's the way of God. So we must understand that we must live a life that is submitted. Submitted to God first. And number two, submitted to other human beings that God places in your life. When you're very young, you've got your parents to be submitted to. When you go to your work, then you've got your boss or your CEO and other people that you are submitted to. Don't become arrogant. Don't become uh, 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 rebellious. Live a life of submission. When you go to your offices, when you're working in your offices, be submissive to the people that, you are, that, that are leading you. Be the best workers in your, in your, in your companies. When you are leaders, when you, are, when you have your own businesses, be the best leaders that those people can ever have. Be the best leaders that they can dream of. Why? Because you, they are submitted to you, but you are submitted to your heavenly father. Hallelujah. You are submitted. That's the ways of God. So you understand if in any situation, when you are becoming arrogant and belligerent and just, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, just destroying people on the left and the, on the right in every single situation, that's not the way of God. You understand that's not the way of God. That's not the way of God. So you become submissive. And here he says, especially in this part, he's talking about godly authority or spiritual authority or pastors and leaders that God places in your life. He says, be submitted to them. Do things wholeheartedly. Why? Because he says, let them not do. The second part of that verse, let them do so with joy, not with grief. Why? Because that would be unprofitable for you. Not unprofitable for your leader, but it will be unprofitable for you. Hallelujah. See, Luke chapter 22 and verse 42 says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And thirdly, you must know God in his power. In his power. Firstly, his nature and character. Secondly, you must know his ways. Thirdly, you must know him in his power. You must know him in his power. Your relationship with God cannot simply be mental. Cannot just be logical. It must get to the place where you become experiential. It must result in you knowing his divine power. Everyone say power. Come on, everyone say power. Psalms... 63 and verse 2. It says, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So the psalmist says, I've looked for you in the sanctuary. Why? To see your awesome power. To see your awesome power. So, uh, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29. Let's go there. 22. Matthew 22. Matthew 22 and verse 29. Here he says, Jesus answered and said to them, you are <clears throat> mistaken not knowing the scripture nor the, come on, come on, say it like you've got some power this morning. Okay, much better. The power of God. 
So knowing the scripture is good, but knowing the scripture should not just stop with you having mental knowledge. Should not stop with mental knowledge. No, it should not stop with theoretical ideas. It must result in you knowing his power. Everyone say his power. Let's go to the next scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. This is a prayer that Paul prayed. He prayed for everyone. And in fact, this will be a great prayer for you to pray every single day over your own lives. A new covenant prayer. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Here he says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, everyone say no. That means in knowledge, relationship, and experience. You got that? That you will know beyond just theory, beyond just mental ideas, beyond a couple of notes in your notebook, that you will know intimately what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of His glory, of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power. Everyone say power. So He says, I am praying that you will intimately know His power. You will intimately know his power. Here he says that you, the, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. How many of you believe in God? That means there is a power of God that is extended to your life. And Paul is saying, I want you to know that power. I don't want you to be an alien or a foreigner to that power. I don't want you to be a stranger to that power. I want you to know that power towards you. And then he goes on to say, according to the working of his mighty power, everyone say mighty power. According to his mighty power, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him up from the dead. This is dead raising power. That's the mighty power we're talking about. He says that power that he worked in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion. That means he's saying this power that I want you to know is the power that got Jesus from the depth from the grip of hell and seated him at the right hand of the father far above all power. So what is this power that he wants you to know? Not financial power, not educational power, not relational power, connections power, not political power, not governmental power. He's saying the power that I want you to know, power that I want you to have an intimate knowledge and experience with is, is the power that raised Christ from the dead and then got him seated in heavenly places uh, 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 at the right hand of the Father. Far above all powers. That's the power he wants us to know. So when we know God, we know through his character and nature, we must know his ways, otherwise we'll misunderstand him. And number three, we must know his power. Everyone say power again. Hallelujah. Let me finish that. And then he says, far above all powers. Okay, go with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In verse 33, he says, and with great power, everyone say great power. With great power, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. With great power. 
with great power with great power Psalm 66 and verse 3 say to god how awesome are your works through the greatness of your powers your enemies shall submit themselves to you through the greatness of your power your enemies shall submit themselves to you through the greatness of his power your enemies shall submit themselves to you are you understanding that through the greatness of his power your enemies will submit themselves to you so when you know that kind of power he says whatever that enemy is now we understand in the new testament we do not wrestle against flesh and blood so it's not like you have a picture of your boss and say that fellow that that that, that, that woman that you know we're not talking about enemies in the flesh and blood we're talking about enemies in the realm of the spirit the the things that are using those men and women to be deceived and cause problems in your life so we're not after the destruction of another human being but we are after the destruction of every wicked spirit and every evil force that the enemy uses to manipulate and use people against you are you understanding that every lying spirit every false accusation it's not about the person it's about the spirit that is being that that is using that person to put that false accusation to put the spirit of fear that's what we're after and he's saying when you know this power he says but the greatness of his power the enemies shall submit that means when you know god a certain way when you know this god the what based on what we're talking about No matter what happens to you in 2024 come hell or high water does not matter you stand in the presence of the king of kings and lord of lords you can stand in the presence of hell itself and say give it your best shot give it your best shot give it your best shot You see me in the first week of January. I'll see you in the last week of December. Give me your best shot. Why? I will know God in the greatness of his power. And nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing is too difficult for him. See how do you get to that place? See David when he stood before Goliath and Goliath just ran his mouth And he said, "I come to you." He did not say, "See, this is the same boy that said, 'The Lord is my shepherd.'" But on that day, he did not go talk about God as a shepherd. Are you are you getting that? When he was talking to Goliath, he said, "I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of Israel." Now he's talking about power. Now he's talking about war. Now he's talking about I'm coming for your destruction. I'm coming for your destruction. Why? I come to you in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. No, he doesn't say the God of the children of Israel. No. We're not talking about children right now. We're talking about armies. We're talking about power. 
we're talking about a fight. He says, I'm coming. See, that was the valley of the shadow of death for him. Nobody around. David and Goliath in the valley. Was there fear? No. Why? For you are with me. I go before him in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And you have defied him. So I'm coming. I'm coming for your destruction. You think you'll kill me? I'll cut your head off. I'll cut your head off. Why? Now he's talking about power. He's talking about authority. See, when you know your God, that's why the Bible says, they that know their God, they shall be strong and carry out great and mighty exploits. Let's stand to our feet. Carry out great and mighty exploits. Why? You know your God. What the king of Israel could not do, what the trained men and the armies could not do, David says, I'll take care of it. Why? Because I know the power of God. I've experienced his power in the wilderness. I was taking care of my father's sheep and I experienced his power. This boy says, I went after the lion. He does, see, our testimonies we will be like, we escaped the lion. Thank you, Jesus. This guy, this guy, he's saying, what are, what are you talking about? Why am I escaping the lion? The lion should testify that it escaped me. Not the other way around. The lion should be thanking God, saying, thank you for sparing my life from David. He says, I chased after the lion. And I experienced the power of God that day. And he says, today, I stand before Goliath and that same power will be available for me. He knew his God. Somebody say, David knew his God. Somebody say, I will know my God. Say it by faith. Say, I know my God. I know my God. I know my God. Come on, lift your hands together in the presence of the Lord and begin to talk to him. Come on, open your mouths and receive the word of the Lord. If you received anything from the word this morning, it's time for you to receive fresh grace to walk into that reality. Walk into that reality in your family. Walk into that reality in your business. Walk into that reality in your career. Walk into that reality in your uh, physical body. Walk into that reality in the name of Jesus. Think in the, in the, in the ways of God. Think on the level of God. If you're a businessman, if you're a businesswoman, don't just think about survival. Don't just think about having one store. Don't just think about one location. Don't just think about 10 employees. Come on, expand, enlarge today. Know your God today and think on His level. Think about being a trailblazer in your, in your, uh, in your area. Think about new inventions coming out of you, coming out of your company. New concepts that will change the industry. 
We're here to change the world. We're here to change the world. Hallelujah. Receive grace this morning. Receive that fresh grace this morning. Come on, open your mouth and begin to pray. Right now, I want to hear everybody beginning to pray in the name of Jesus. Prayer is not only during fasting prayers and in, the, in prayer times. Every time we come into the presence of God, open your mouth and begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Receive fresh grace. Receive wisdom this morning. Receive strength in your physical bodies. Those who are weak in your physical bodies right now, receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your physical bodies. Receive wisdom for your businesses right now in the name of Jesus. Receive insight into your careers right now in the name of Jesus. Receive instruction in the way you must go. Receive instruction and wisdom for the decisions that you need to make in your life. You must increase this year in the name of Jesus. You've got no options. You must increase this year in the name of Jesus. For those of you who are in the ministry, for those of you pastors, leaders, watching and joining us online, believe God for supernatural increase, expansion, multiplication, enlargement of your territories in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you, Lord, that whenever we hear your word, the entrance of your word brings light. Thank you for transformation. Thank you for knowledge. Thank you that we are getting to know you. Lord, continue. Help us to continue to walk in your ways. This week, continue to speak to us, shape us and mold us according to your word. Lord, I pray every man, every woman and every child will know you in a deeper way than ever before. For this, we give you all the praise, the glory and the honor. And Lord, I pray for those that are far away from you, that this year will be a new year in their life. A, a year of, of knowing you and knowing about you in such a way that they've never known before. We give you the praise, glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I hope you were blessed by the word today. Be sure to subscribe and share this with your family and friends. If you'd like to sow into this ministry, the details are provided in the description. For more information on how to reach us or contact us, do visit our website, www.newcityhyd.in. I will see you again next time. Be blessed.